Hi, this is Mark. And Ira. Welcome to our podcast, Wandering Retirement. Thank you for joining us today as we delve into our journey into retirement. And remember, not all who wander are lost. So today we were going to talk about ego and self-worth and identity. So one of the things I did, Ira, before we got together this morning is I went and kind of looked at the definitions because I wanted to sort of better understand what, what it is we were talking about. Yeah, so let me yeah. just give you a couple of definitions here. Uh, ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Then I looked up self-worth and it said, it's another term for self-esteem. <laughs> of course. And then self-esteem is confidence in one's own worth or abilities, sort of the self-respect thing. And then, of course, our identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. So I guess my question is, why are we even talking about this? Why is this important? Well, I think for me that, okay, let's just, let's just say it. My maleness, I am a male. So for many males, the job is who we are. And so who we are is our identity. And from that, we gain our self-worth and self-esteem. So I think it's important because all of a sudden that all changes. So you feel like when you retired, your self-worth or your identity changed? What do you think changed the most? Or I don't know what to say to that really, except okay. for I was, I was a veterinarian for 37 years, went to work every day, and then I didn't. Okay. So am I still a veterinarian, first off? Okay. You know, so there's my identity. Is that, is that still who I am? I am a veterinarian yet, but I'm not a working veterinarian. So can I even say my identity <laughs> is a veterinarian anymore? People are going to ask me, well, Ira, what do you do? Well, I can't say I'm a veterinarian anymore, and that is an identity to me. But your definition was the fact of being who and what a person or thing is. That, yeah. That's kind of a profession. So can you be a retired veterinarian? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. But being a veterinarian, being an active veterinarian, meant more to you than being a retired veterinarian. You know, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and you used to go to work every day, and people would pat you on the back and, you know, worship it. I don't know if they worshiped at your feet. Yeah. You got a lot of positive reinforcement being a veterinarian every day. My job as a veterinarian, was an ego-feeding thing every day. You know, I think that's, I, I find that fascinating. I mean, I believe you, okay? Uh, but I find it fascinating because one of the things I think about a veterinarian, I think a veterinarian works with animals. And I would have thought a veterinarian by measurement, introvert, extrovert, all that sort of stuff, would be more comfortable with animals than they would be with people. But you're saying, you almost, not that you weren't comfortable with animals, I'm not suggesting, yep, yep. you were more comfortable with the people part well, of that. Well, you know, when one of the advantages of veterinary medicine, and by the way, large animal veterinary medicine is what I did. So I get in my truck and I drive farm to farm. But because of that, you can have a student with you. Okay. And one of the things you emphasize to these students is don't think it's all about the animals. You need to work on your people skills because never or rarely did I work on an animal that there wasn't a person there. And I'm there because of the person. They're the one who called and said, Doc Ira, I need your help. Or, you know, Rover is sick, although not too many horses are named Rover. <laughs> um, you know, so but, I need you to come out. So it really is about the people. And, okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, 
of course, you cared for the animal. I'm not suggesting that. Yep. But as much you were caring for the owner of the animal, they needed the the encouragement, the reinforcement that maybe they're doing the right thing or they needed the training on to do the right thing or yeah. when to call oh, yeah. or, gee, you don't really need to call me. I'm sure you didn't say, hey, why did you bother me? <laughs> but well, you, there were times. <laughs> um, but, no, I really do think that most veterinarians would be well served with a, a minor degree in either psychology or sociology or something because That's- it really is about the people. That's interesting to me. Um, I, I just find that, I don't know, fascinating is the right word, but interesting because I would expect it just the different, the opposite. But I, I understand it now that as you talk about it. Um, one of the things that is like, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. You've now been retired, I think, going on six months or whatever. I've been retired now going on four or five years. It's taken me a while, and I never thought about my ego or identity too much because I changed identities frequently. <laughs> You were good at that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that that's sort of been a bigger issue for you, whereas for some folks it's not an issue. Well, yeah, but that again is about what you do, you know, what your job is. My job was very much people-oriented, very much involved with them. And, and these animals... I mean, second to their kids or their spouses are probably the most important things in these people's lives. So it's really, you become part of their life by taking care of their animals. And so day in, day out, you're working with valuable things to these people. And both in real money and in just emotion. Oh yeah. Especially the emotion though. It really is. Um, it, it, it's a huge it's a huge responsibility to take care of the animal because in so doing, you're also taking care of these these people's psyche. Interesting. When things go bad, things go bad. It's not just the death of an animal. And so that's been a little bit of a, a struggle for you. I think about uh, a couple other people that I know have retired in the last few years. One is my brother, and he was a teacher, and one of his comments always was, well, I've had 30 years or 35 years of practice because they had every summer off, so they got used to being yeah, not yeah, working. Yeah. And then I think about my wife a little bit, Kathy, uh, and she, as I've mentioned before, I think it took her three times to retire, <laughs> finally. And that third time, she was like, the next morning she got up and she was fine. So I've got those examples of people that just get up the next day, you know, the day after their last day of work, and I... I don't know fine's the right word, but they've already moved on and stuff. You've actually started to move on here in five or six months or so. Well, and I'll argue that it's taken me three or four years to move on. So, and I don't know if move on's the right word. One, one thing when I was thinking about this um, and what the how the discussion was going to go and everything was, I loved my job, okay. and that was. I, I'm very fortunate that I loved my job. I loved it to the day I stopped. And I still think back fondly. And I mean loved. This is not just something I enjoyed doing. I loved my job. One thing I had the advantage of, and I think that that probably has helped me transition relatively shortly, is as much as I loved my job, I still would have preferred being home. I liked being home. Interesting. At the end of the day, I didn't say, oh, what can I do to stay working? I went home. And I was ready to go home. I loved being home. I loved my wife. I loved my situation. So I think that has helped the transition somewhat too. That's interesting because that's a, that, and I 
just guessing here, but that says you sort of had a balance yeah, going into this. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, when I was at work, I was at work, and when I was at home, I was home. And that's what they always taught us, you know, tried to teach us as we were going through our careers. At least I was always sort of taught that you need to be present where you were, whether it was at home or at work or whatever. And, you know, don't take your job home with you, but also don't take your home to work with you if you could avoid that. Yeah, yeah. So what about you and your professions, <laughs> plural? Did you experience any of this, or how would you describe your your love of your job, or was it just a job, and where did home fit in? Because I think that really is integral to this ego identity self-esteem thing. That's interesting. I don't know. There's a couple things that I think about. One is I don't know that I was ever really good at separating. That's why I know I was supposed to. <laughs> you know, I would, I would take work home and work, you know, after everybody went to bed and do some work, or when on weekends when we were like coming over to Grand Haven, I'd go sit at the odd side ales with my computers and do emails for four hours on a Sunday. So I was never really good at separating that. And that's an interesting viewpoint. But the other thing is I had great jobs and great careers. Uh, I, I, I would do them all over again. Um, but I don't know that I was ever passionate. I had this discussion with somebody the other day. I don't know that I was ever passionate, that passion that some folks have, like you know, like a veterinarian might have or a physician might have. I mean, even as a respiratory therapist, I loved the work. I loved uh, taking care of patients. I loved everything I did, but I didn't have that inner passion that I hear people have. And I've always been a little jealous of that. Okay, and yet you say you're four to five years into this and you're finally reaching a point right. of being okay with it. Okay. So what's that about? Um, that's interesting. I don't know. I have to. Th I have to think about that. I haven't thought that through. I, I'm going to guess. With, I'm going to talk without uh, thinking here. But I think I finally accepted the fact. I think maybe I'm more comfortable with who I am. Uh, I think maybe I can look back now, and I've got a pretty good idea who I am and what I what I'm capable of, what I'm not capable of, and so just being more comfortable with myself and being more comfortable in in the search, if you will. I, I consider it still a search or a, sure, you know, sure. um, adventure of retirement. I, I, I think, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't apologize for that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just interesting to me that as quote unquote <laughs> passionate as I was about my job, and I seem to be arriving at a comfort level quicker than you did not being quite as passionate. I, I, I yeah, what's find the, it, I find what's it the connection? Yeah. What's the connection? Yeah. And maybe it's because you're more male, because I think this is a huge male thing. Really? I'll have to think that one through. I don't, uh, I never. Traditionally, it's okay. been a male thing. Maybe things are changing now, okay. too, but I think traditionally men have been their job. Oh, yeah. I was definitely my job. Absolutely. Well, but no, yes and no. I mean, I was definitely my job. I was definitely a father. I was definitely a husband. So I, I don't, I think I was pretty good at connecting those, but maybe it was just losing that third piece. Maybe it was losing that profession there, you know. Um, so that's, that's an interesting thing. I want to change gears on you just a little okay. bit because you mentioned something before we started about this idea that you had heard that if, let me see if I get this right, if a man makes it 18 18 months into and retirement. very gender long. specific, a man. Okay, so if a man makes it 18 months into retirement, they'll live a long life. What do you think that's all about? Well, I think that's, for for so many men, 
who they are is their job. Okay. And when they don't have that job, they lose their life. And they become depressed, and it, it can just be a downward spiral. And health will suffer because your emotional and mental situation has gone bad. That's that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it, but one of the things that strikes me as I sit here and think about this whole conversation, and I know we'll get into a spousal relationship conversation later in a future podcast, but one of the things I felt really good about, even the day I went into retirement, is I like my spouse. And yes. And I, I think that, and again, we're going to get into this more, but I think that is one of those things that is a positive is going into retirement. Is, you know, because you do, you grow up, two, you know, often have two careers, taking care of the kids, doing all this stuff. Then all of a sudden your kids are gone, the house is empty, and then all of a sudden you're, you don't have a, uh, your identity as a, a person. And so you kind of look across the table and you go, hmm. Is this somebody I even like? Yeah. And and, and I she feel, is a big part of your identity. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. That's very true. You bet. Um, but I think that's one of those things that helps in retirement. And and I felt good from day one about that because I've watched people who retire and one of the issues they have is they come to realize, I'm not sh- so sure I like that person across the table from me now or lying in the bed next to me or whatever term you want to use. And I think that would be a huge, I've seen people do that. I've never talked to them about it, but I would think that'd be a kind of a huge stressor. Gee, I'm 65. I've got this person I don't even like I'm living with or don't like very much. Or you have to learn to like all over again. Yeah. And do people do that? Yeah. You know, by that time we've sort of established our, uh, our ways, if you will, or whatever, and you probably, I guess you can like them. Maybe if we do a season two of this, we'll get an expert in on this, and we'll have them talk to us about it. But I think both you and I have been very fortunate there in that we like our spouses. Yeah. I think that's very real. It does bring to the point, though, again, if I may come circle to my ego again, I guess I have a huge ego and I guess maybe it's kind of frail I don't know I think I'm doing okay but the other thing that was really a big part of my job is people the people contact okay and now that I'm retired I don't have that people contact even wow okay so that's that's very true so I'll share a little bit what I because I agree I I notice it I, I don't notice it like you've noticed it I have I don't pay that close attention. I'm not as smart as you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just self-centered is all. Um, But one of the things that I found myself doing in in retirement, I will say that, is finding more opportunities to be with people. Whether it's just, you know, there's a group of guys that go down for coffee almost every day at the local uh, D&W and sit there and, you know, solve all the world's issues and and that stuff. And I go down there. I don't go down there very much. uh, But that's one of the contacts I have, Uh, you know. Uh, you know, going the the spiritual organization we belong to, you know, working on committees there, or other volunteer stuff in the community. Uh, I guess I do that. I had thought about it, like you're saying, but I'll say I've done it somewhat intentionally to make sure I'm interacting with other people. Yeah, I think. yeah. You know, I think it's always important to be involved in your community. Mm-hmm. But I also now understand why a lot of the volunteer organizations and communities are filled with older people because, number one, they have more time. Sure. Number two, they have the more need for that social contact and being involved. I mean, I my 
I've stepped it up already. I'm involved in more things already now than when I was working last year. Okay. So I, it's all about social contact, though. I so, mean, I think giving back is good, too, but social contact. So, But that's feeding your ego, then. It's helping you get an identity. Like, I, 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 you know, I can just speak for myself. I have an identity in our, in our organization now because of the activities I've taken on. You have an identity in your community because you're a member of the Community Foundation Board. I mean, help, does that? Sure, that, that, that's a part of it. I, I think that that's part of my identity, but I think that's also a need I have. I know you say you know yourself. I, I know myself, too, and I know that I want you to like me. I am a people pleaser. I am an Myers-Briggs ENFP. Um, so I have that need for social contact, whatever that is. It might be sitting down and drinking coffee with someone, going out for lunch. It might be working with a volunteer organization. I need the social contact. So yes, it is my identity because I am a social being and I need that very much. But it's more about the social activity than my being identified as, oh, now he's a huge you know, community volunteer. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the social contact. Okay. So that's that's self-esteem or whatever. Is that yeah, probably. Ego? Yeah. So what, where would your identity come from now then? My life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, my identity is like we kind of started this conversation. I'm a retired vet. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm a Michigander. I live in Coopersville. I... Um, and involved in my community, I enjoy um, nature. Those are my identities now. Okay. It's not so much professionally as much as it's much more personal. Oh, that's okay. So that's a, I hadn't thought about that. That's a that's a perfect uh, sort of segue. Is what we're kind of talking about is when we talk when I started this conversation or we started this discussion about identity. I had in my mind mostly our professional identity. And as we've talked about it, we've got multiple identities, if you will. We've Definitely. got a professional one. We've got maybe a relationship one or a family one, whatever you might want to call that one. And then we've got how we also look at ourselves, our self-identity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so maybe what, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe what you're saying is that it's is our identity changes a little bit from, oh, I'm a veterinarian to the, all these other things you just described. So it's gone from a professional identity to more of a personal identity. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I really hadn't thought about it in so many terms either, but I think that's very true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. So I, I was sitting here thinking, and this is maybe we'll cut this out, but I, I was sitting here thinking, so is this how people get scammed, the older people get scammed, is they want that contact so bad mm. that they... Um, you know, they'll answer the phone and, and send the guy in in wherever the money, you know, Sierra Leone or wherever you send the money to so he can sure. get on the boat or whatever those scams are. It could be a part of it. It, it has to be. be a part of it. Sure. It has to be. So if we're aware of it, and if our listeners are aware of it, they need to be thinking about that. Maybe one of the, the things uh, we all at this age need to make sure of is that we have these connections. We're not all introverts. We're not all extroverts. But it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. We all need some kind of touch point with other people. Is that what we're saying? I think so, yeah. Okay. And that changes with retirement because all of a sudden you don't have those guidelines and that structure. Um, what is structure now? 
Is structure just looking at your calendar with your spouse and saying, this is what I'm doing today, what are you doing today? Or is it actually organized? But there's not as much structure. So okay. it becomes... So it, it becomes incumbent upon us as we move further and further into retirement is to keep lines open as best we can. Yeah. And, and to find groups, whether formal or informal, that we can kind of sort of rely that they're going to be there. Like I picked on that coffee group. They're sure. going to kind of sort of be there. If, if I need to talk to somebody or just get out and, you know, air my grievances or help cure the world's ills, I can go there. You know, if it's a spiritual organization like we belong to or a church or, you know, the Kiwanis Club or whatever, people in retirement, as we go through the retirement years, need to make sure that, that we find and take the time to engage ourselves. Is that right? Kind of? and, and I think we're going to cover this in the future, too, the, the guilt thing. Okay. But if you can be self-centered about this subject, you need to find things that fulfill your needs. Interesting. Whether those are personal, whether those are professional, whether those are financial, you may have financial needs that you need to fulfill that role yet. Okay. And that you need to find that, that situation that helps you, helps yeah. you through it and helps you transition into it. Yeah. So that's that's interesting because I think that's, you know, it's probably part of why I took the jobs right after I retired was to continue that connection. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I thought I was taking them as sort of exploring, which I still think I was, but maybe part of the reason I was doing that was to have those touch points or to sort of yeah, it communicate, was, connect it with was, other people. It was a personality need, yeah. if I may say. Yeah, Instead of just um, a professional need. Yeah, yeah. All right. And I made some money while I was doing it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to pause this here for just a second. Hi, we're back. Uh, if we had a sponsor, that would have been a chance for our sponsors uh, to sell something to you, but we don't have sponsors. Yeah, so, not yet. Not yet. I'm sure they're never going to come. But anyways, um, Ira, you were talking about your haircut you got the other day. What was that all about? Uh, I um, went into the local to get my haircut, and I, as I'm checking out, there's an ex-client sitting there, an ex-horse client. And I looked at her, and I greeted her, and I said, jokingly, do you miss me? And she says, of course I miss you. I miss you a lot. And I said, okay, I'm good. I can go home now, happy man. Um, but then we sat there and talked for 10, 15 minutes. So I still am an egocentric son of a gun. You know, I still look for those opportunities. Okay, I'm going to change gears a little. I'm going to stay on the same thing. I'm not going to say that's ever going to go away. You just might get that from somebody different, and you might get a different fulfillment, you know, somebody else patting you on the back for doing something or, you know. You know, and the other thing that I just thought of is I was a successful veterinarian for what I did, but also because who I am. Okay. And I'm still that same person. Ah. I'm just not doing that job and that task. Getting deep here, Ira. So people, I now I'm really sounding prideful, egocentric, everything, but... I'm a nice guy. Okay. And people still like me whether I'm working on their animals or not. <laughs> so when they when they see me after a haircut, they still see me and smile. Cuz right. well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think that makes me feel better already. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can make it through another day. <sighs> Maybe even a week. So one of the things I, I, I did, looking back at my notes here, I had some comments to myself about expectation and measurements. I came through a history, if you will, a business history, where there were expectations. There were 
uh, you know, somebody, you know, I, I often set my own expectations out business-wise, but, you know, there was generally somebody above me that wanted to measure them, and, and you know, that's, that was my life, and I, ha- I had some sort of measurement, you know. Did I, did I put 50 widgets together today or whatever it might be? Did I get that project done? Did I, you know, accomplish that, uh, that business plan we talked about? Whatever it might have been. Uh, I don't have those anymore. Yeah. You know? So what do you do? I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think that um, that's that balance. Like we talk, at least I've talked about before in the career world or in the business world or whatever it was, we had, um, we had you're, you're supposed to balance home and work. You're supposed to balance this project against that project. Yeah. You, had, you know, you always sort of had priorities, but balance. And I think that becomes the same thing in retirement is the difference is, A, you get to choose your balance, whereas maybe before uh, you didn't get to choose. Of course, like I pointed out in the last podcast, uh, I'm still married, so I don't get to choose everything. I buy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but, but, you know, you get to choose that. But I think it's important. I still set out some expectations. I still work off checklists because it's helpful to me. It makes sure I get things done, uh, and, but only things I want to get done or mostly only things I want to get done go on that checklist. Of yeah. course, there are things I have to do still. But the other thing about those lists is... We need help remembering nowadays. <laughs> so you got to make your list. has nothing to do with the subject. But no, those, it's true. Those lists are important now. Actually, I would argue they're more important. Uh, that, that list helps me because I, if I, it bugs me when I think like a week later, oh, shit, I was supposed to do that last week. You know, it really bugs me. And truthfully, I forgot that stuff 20 years ago. I'm not suggesting that sure. this is brand new for me, but that's where lists help me a lot. Well, and that that is a list of expectations. Okay. So you you have expectations in your life, and it's also a list of measurement. How many things do you cross off? So I'm sorry, but I, I we've already discussed this too, that I'm a list person, and I think it helps me with my expectations. It helps me with my measurement eh, it just plain old helps me remember <laughs> of course i will tell you uh, i'm not like you i don't put things i don't put things on my list just to check them <laughs> off i know you do that yeah i do i have uh, to do that but the other thing i i found myself doing i, I don't really want to do that and i just remove it from my list now that's not necessarily good and if it was really that important i would get it back on there but you know it's, i'm not afraid to take things off that i don't want to do mine stays on my list but there are some things that have been on my list ever since i retired and they're still on my list someday maybe they'll get crossed off yeah. but they're not crossed off yet yeah so. i don't want to feel guilty so i just check them off and get them <laughs> okay on. guilt there's another one we'll work on that later yeah we do have to work on guilt um all right so i think we're pretty tight here what do you think we're all right i'm feeling real good about this discussion hopefully someone else will feel good about this discussion all right so i will just say to our listening audience thank you for joining us here at wandering retirement we hope you've enjoyed our conversation today and would encourage you to join the conversation by emailing us at wanderingretirement.com with your questions or comments be certain to join us next time as we take a deeper dive into those spousal relationships that we keep alluding to, but never really saying. And remember, one more time, not all who wander are lost. There you go.